Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following is a message from our guest speaker. Welcome, welcome to the Exchange. My name is Jonathan Knight. If you don't know who I am, obviously I'm not doing my job right. So uh, I am one of our teaching pastors. It's kind of quiet today. I'm, I'm one of our teaching pastors, and um, as they get set up, let me set myself up really quick. Um, I always enjoy getting to speak to uh, the exchange. I love you guys. And the other week, Pastor Jared was like, hey, can you, this is weird. I don't know why, but it weirded me out for a second. Um, as you can see, I'm a little scatterbrained sometimes. Um, but Pastor Jerry came to me the other week, and he was like, hey, uh, I want you to preach soon. Um, pick out something. And um, so I get to close out our um, Manifested Expectations series. And I'm really excited about it um, because this series has been awesome. How many of y'all have been blessed by the Manifested Expectations series? Okay, like three, five of y'all. Okay, cool. Amen. Thank y'all. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. So uh, the first, for those of y'all that weren't here, and that's why you didn't raise your hand, uh, the first week, um, I don't know why I keep going out. I'm, hand me the handheld real quick. I'll use that one. Okay, so check. This will work better, I think. I'm going to unrobe really quick. Is that okay? Don't look. Oh my goodness. Man, all y'all just staring at me while I did that. That was kind of weird. Um, <laughs> hey, how many of y'all know it's, fun, it's okay to have fun in church? Huh? It's okay to have fun at church. And uh, something as a, as a young pastor, uh, I have equated um, hospital visits, uh, visiting people as stand-up comedy. Uh, because when you walk in, you don't really know what the mood's going to be like, right? You don't know if it's really bad. You don't know if it's good, if you, especially if you're just going in, you just heard somebody's at the hospital. So you walk in, and as a pastor, you're there to pray for people. You pray for them to have healing and to encourage them, and then also, as a side note, to get their mind off of what's going on. And so that's how I kind of equate it. And so uh, I preach like that sometimes um, in the same way as stand-up comedy. But uh, the first week of Manifested Expectations, Pastor Jared set us up, and he talked about um, the expectations that we can face, that we can have, and when we long for something, when, when we expect something, we, we hope that it's going to happen. We hope and we believe that it's going to manifest in our lives. Then Pastor Kevin came up the next week and he was like, hey, sometimes life doesn't go the way that we expect it to, right? Sometimes our expectations don't match up to the reality that we're living in. And so he talked about how we need to stay focused, that we need to stay focused on what God has told us. We need to stay focused on, on, on the promises of God. And even though the expectations might not meet the reality right now, you'll get there, right? Generally, that's what you talked about. Yeah. Last week was the holiest of all holy days, right? What day is that? Easter. There you go. Yeah. Easter, it's the day that we, we choose to celebrate um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Pastor Jared took us through, taught us that um, 
Jesus was the manifested expectation of our freedom. He, he uh, in fact, the words that he used was that Jesus came to earth and manifested himself here to do what the law couldn't do, right? Because as it, with the law, we were, we were bound up in those chains that Jay was talking about. We, we, we kept getting ourselves back into those chains, and back, back into those chains, and, and we, we were looking for something to free us up. And so we have these rules, and if you do these rules, then maybe you'll get a key. If you die, maybe. It all kind of depends if God will give you the key if you're good enough, right? And so Jesus came down, and he did away with those chains. He said, you know, I am the key, right? I am the way to be unlocked. And so he freed us up. And today we're going to talk about the manifested expectations of the church, okay? Uh, before we get started, I'm going to warn you all, we are going to have some class participation, okay? So, uh, so you know, get kind of loose. It's okay. Um, look to your neighbor on your right. Say, what's up? Look to your neighbor on your left. And if you don't have anybody, look to the person in front of you and say, hey, you stink a little bit. Hey, it's the new cologne, okay? If you don't like it, tough luck. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so how many of y'all have seen the videos, uh, Expectations versus Reality? Anybody seen some of those? I pulled out a couple of, us, uh, of them for us to see really quick because how many knows expectations don't meet reality? Um, here's the first one. Watch this. When I saw that video, I was like, dude, that's me. That's me, man. I've been working out, like, consistently lately, and so I feel my abs, right? I feel them because they hurt. And so I feel like I have them. And so I'm like, man, I'm ripped today. And then I go, and mirrors hate me. They just, they have it out for me. They've always had it out for me. They're vain. They're vain things. They only like the prettiest of people, right? They only like the prettiest of people like Carlos and Smyrna. I bet mirrors like them. I bet they like them a whole lot. But me, man, mirrors hate me. So then I'm like, man, I feel good. And I look in the mirror, I'm like, oh, dang it. And I like walk away. And then I'm just in pain. You know what I mean? Um, emotionally and physically. Uh, ladies, I didn't forget about y'all. We have a video for y'all too. Man, whenever she gets hit on the back of the head, I feel it every single time. Uh, <laughs> those were a few examples of how reality sometimes does not line up with our expectations of what we can do, what other people will do, and what kind of life has for us. And uh, to be honest, sometimes uh, in the church, uh, we don't, uh, reality won't meet our expectations. And um, we're going to talk about that today. And uh, as, a, as a child, I grew up as a PK. How many knows what that means? PK. It's an acronym for pastor's kid, okay? If you grew up in the church, you knew what a PK was, right? Because they're either the angel or the devil child, right? The spawn of Satan. I was the second one. Um, and, uh, but I grew up, my dad was, uh, he is and was a great preacher, 
he uh, taught, and he's going to be angry that he's going to listen to the podcast, but he had, like, this old-timey fire to him, you know what I mean, like, tent preacher style, you know, he'd get fired up, but he was funny, right, that's kind of, I get my humor from my dad, even though my, my mom's funny also, I'm just state that, <clears throat> for the record. Uh, but my dad, he, my mom and my dad, they're both ordained pastors, and they taught me a lot of the Bible knowledge that I have. It's because of what they taught me as a child, and what they taught me growing up. They taught me, uh, you know, um, just all the facts of the Bible that I, I could get as a child, and it sticks with me, and I think that's one of the reasons why. Um, but as I've gotten older... Uh, I've noticed some things in the church. I've noticed um, some of the expectations that we have in the church and, and what we think that the church should be like. And uh, some of them have changed over the years. A lot of them have changed over the years. And some of them have stayed the same. Some of them have looked the same. And it's just because of our culture, because of our society. And we're going to take a look really quick at that. And the first thing that we're going to look at is what are some of the things that we, as the American church, right, I'm going to put our, right here, our expectations of what church is, okay? Uh, the first one that we're going to write down is uh, we expect church to be on Sundays, right? Sunday morning. For the youth, we expect it to be on Wednesday nights, right? We're going to put wed day. That's how I always say it whenever I go to spell it, right? Wednesday. Oh, no. Thank you, guys. Y'all are so considerate. Morning. Anyway. Um, we expect there to be music and worship, right? Music slash worship. We expect there to be a sermon, right? A sermon taught to us. Uh, we expect some form of prayer, right? Some form of prayer. Whether that's a long prayer or a short prayer or we are praying or they are praying. Some form of prayer, right? Um, and then, uh, of course, church can't be, it's not church unless you have uh, chit, chat, light, chit-chat light, and it's spelled differently because it's said differently, okay? It's a little little humor there for you guys. It went over somebody's heads. Um, then we have, uh, then we have uh, a place to be saved, right? A place to be saved or cleansed. We'll use that word. That sounds like a good word. I know it looks funny, but cleansed. Hopefully I spelled that right. Um, and encouraged. And what we're going to do really quick, right? I said that there's going to be uh, some class participation, even though it sounds like there's crickets out there, okay? Um, we're going to take three from the crowd. Three from the crowd. Let's do one from this section. What is an expectation of church that you guys have? Anybody? Taking up an offering. There we go. Money, money, money. Boom. There you go. We're taking from the center section. You got one? Community. Ooh, I like that. Money, money, money. Now, every time I see that, I'm going to say that. 
community, not the TV show, okay? What about this section? Having a red, get out of here, Eric, come on, man. All right, anybody else? Anybody else but Eric, okay? You just negated yourself, right? He's a class clown over here. Yes, Mia, huh? Love, okay, cool. We'll stick that up here. Love. Okay. I know it looks, it looks like love, but it's okay. <laughs> but uh, so, so we have these expectations, and in the American church, like I said, it's changed over the years. At first, uh, the church was very stoic. It was very uh, proper. In fact, I could write down on some churches still today, right, we say no hats, right, no shirts, no shoes, no Jesus, right? If you're coming in with a hat and you have no shirt or shoes on for one, I want to see that guy, right? I want to see that guy that comes in, always wearing a hat and like cut off jeans, you know what I mean? And he's like, what's up? I want some Jesus. You know, some churches, they say, no hats, no shirts, no shoes, no Jesus for you, right? And uh, so back in the day, right, back uh, in the early 20s and all the way up to probably the 2000s, to be honest with you, uh, church was very traditional. You had to dress up. You had to act a certain way. You had to be very proper. You had to show honor to those around you, to your elders, to the church. And if you did anything... Um, not according to that, then you were kind of labeled an outsider. You know what I mean? A backslider, right? You're probably a person sitting on the back row, may, not because of anything, but just because of the stares. You know what I mean? The looks. You didn't feel very welcome, but that changed, you know, as we started to get more hip, right? Hipsters started to come alive, and uh, we started loosening up a little bit. Now, now you can wear shorts, Okay, now you can, I almost wore a hat today, but I was like, man, that's going to block my eyes, and then I'll just look like a faceless person all the whole time. But uh, so you, you know, we, we've changed over the years, so we've, we've gotten lax on that. But there's other expectations out there on the church, right? Not just our expectations, but we'll write right here, the world's expectations. World's expectations, Right? And we'll look at a couple of these really quick. The first one, right, when I think of what the world's expectation of the church is and what I've confronted with people that are outside the church or that have been inside the church and now are outside the church, the first thing that comes to mind is judgmental. Judgmental. Hopefully I spelled that one right too. Okay, judgmental. The next one, and this is a popular one right now, is that the church is intolerant intolerant. Sure, that'll work. All right. The next one is hateful, right? Hateful. Hateful. Let's let's put also angry, that we're angry for some reason. I don't know why we're angry, but we are, in their mind, always angry at them. Um, That we're fake, that our church is fake. Hypocritical. Boom, I think I spelled that one right. That one's a good one. All right, this one I might have misspelled. We were having a discussion inside uh, the offices earlier. But un, 
I'm going to put a hyphen there just because. Don't, okay, fine. No, unrelatable. Okay. Reuben said yes, so that's on him, right? That we're unrelatable. Another one is weird, right? Weird. That the church is weird. Um, overbearing. All right, we're just going to keep going with these. Yeah, overbearing. Yeah. Have you not talked to anybody recently outside the church? Because this is the church in their minds, outdated, right? Outdated. And when I say world, I mean people outside of Christianity, okay? And the last one, and this one is most likely if you watch any political commentary about the church or any political shows about the church, you get delusional. Delusional, right? So we have all these things stacked up, and I think it, I find it kind of odd um, that the world actually has just as much or more expectations of the church than the church does, right? It has more expectations of what the church is going to do than what the actual people inside the church would do, Right? And the world has very strong opinions about us. In fact, uh, most of the time, I don't tell anybody that I am a pastor of church until they've gotten to know me. And the reason why is because as soon as you say that, as the pastors can all agree, as soon as you say that you're a pastor, their attitude changes. And it's either, oh, they become the most holiest person in the whole wide world, right? Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's a, the number one thing, right? It's like, if let's say a homeless guy is up here and they're like, hey, what do you do, man? And I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. And he goes, oh, praise Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. And he says all that before I even say another word. You know what I mean? Or you get, oh, and you get the shutout. You know what I mean? The, oh, I don't want to talk about, I don't talk with you. You know, the, uh, a while back, I was in an, in an interview, and they were looking at my resume, and I have a bunch of uh, faith-based education on my resume. And this guy said, hey, um, so you have a lot of uh, faith stuff, a lot of Christian stuff on your resume. I don't, uh, are you sure you're going to be able to fit in here? And uh, my rep- response back to him was, if you knew me, you would realize that what that paper says isn't technically me, you know what I mean? Just because what your expectations are on that paper doesn't describe me. In fact, um, some people still think I'm not saved. Um, But Jesus uh, Jesus, uh, addresses this um, because people people tend to hate us. It almost seems like the world this day, especially lately in the past couple of years, uh, it's just hate. Hate everywhere. Hate from the church. Hate for the church. And it's just just kind of this hate amongst people. And uh, Jesus addresses this in John 15, 18 through 19. Stay seated, guys. Okay? If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the whole world hates you. Okay? So, so we get this picture, right? So we have all these things, and, and somebody over here, I don't know who it was, said, who are these people, right? Who are these people that see the church this way? And it, it's not 
what they see about the church, it's what they see about God, right? But the way that they see God is through the church, right? Okay, so um, I'm glad you all are following with me. Some of you all were already us as I was saying that. That's awesome. Um, and another, person, another person that has opinions about us are people who are deceived about what the church is, right? Because these people have told them what church is. They don't know what real church is. They don't know what real expectations of who Christ is, what he did for us, right? And in America, we have come, uh, we have come to know the term for church as to describe a building or a faith-based organization, right? The church. Uh, we have conditioned, uh, we have been conditioned into seeing the church as a place to go to and a place that we don't have to go back to, right? We can just go in, we can get, get our Sunday. And in fact, uh, as I was writing some of this stuff, right, I realized that what, what this section is, what most people view this section is, is a, a Sunday, Sunday morning TV program called Jesus Time with Jared, right? Jesus Time with Jared. I can tune in. I can tune out. I can come into church. I can, I can watch it for an episode. And then what the lesson that I learned, right, the lesson of the day that I learned, I'm going to take with me until I watch Walking Dead that night. Then at the water cooler, I'm going to talk about Walking Dead. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's just a TV show to some people. I'm not saying that it is for you guys. But I'm saying in America, church has become a TV show to a lot of people. And so when, it, when church is a TV show, people are allowed to have opinions about it. And people are allowed to post uh, reviews about it and change people's minds. If you have a business or anything, you know how important the internet is nowadays, that if you get a bad review, that can ruin business. That can ruin those things. And church right now, a lot of people are deceived into thinking that church is a certain way because of the bad reviews that we have, we have created ourselves and other people have created about us. And uh, in a small way, right, uh, I'm sorry, and uh, a lot of people think that it's something that has times for it to be open and times for it to be closed, right? A lot of the time, we're more often closed, right? Because we're open on Sunday mornings. We're open on Wednesday nights. Pastor Jared is up here during the week. I'm sure that you can come in and talk to him throughout the week. But as a whole, we think that the church is closed, right, during the week. And uh, in a small way, all those people aren't wrong. They're not wrong. If we had lived in, back when Christ was walking the earth and back in the old times, um, the building, right, our building would be our synagogue or our temple to God. This is where you came to give your offerings and have your sins forgiven, right? But Paul paints us a picture that's very different. He says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says this, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? 
right? And what he's talking about here, he's talking about uh, some sexual sins. He says that there's three different types of sin. There's, there's one that, that's against God. There's two that's against people, and three against yourself. And this is what he's talking about, that your, your bodies are your temples to the Holy Spirit. Don't desecrate yourself. But if you reach into that and you get that my body is a temple, then that means that this building is just a building. This building is just a place that we come together and we meet all us temples, all us uh, living embodiments of the Holy Spirit inside of us come together and meet each other in this building underneath the name The Exchange. Right? And so, so we get this picture that, that the church is not just a building. In fact, everywhere in the New Testament, everywhere in the New Testament, it talks about the church. It is not talking about a building. It is not talking about a business. It's not talking about a 50C3. Did I say that right? 501C3? There you go. It's not talking about that. What it's talking about is the followers and disciples of Jesus Christ. Okay, And so now we kind of get this picture of, of what the church is supposed to be. And uh, so when, when we say the church, we're talking about us. Right? Look to the person next to you and say, uh, it's all about us. It's not all about you. Never mind. Don't say that. Okay? <laughs> say, we are the church. Okay? Look to the person on the other side of you, okay, and say, you are the church. And then look to the person on your right again and say, you forgot to brush your teeth. Okay? Yeah. And then that person's like, no, no, you are the one that forgot to brush your teeth. Okay? But we are the church. And so by being the church, we are called to be the manifested expectation of the church. But... It's by somebody else's expectation than what's on the board, right? We're going to be talking really briefly about Christ's expectations. Okay? And uh, the majority of the New Testament goes over how to live, how to believe, and how to walk as a Christian. Okay, and the majority of that, right, we, we can take all of that, we can take everything that Paul wrote, everything that John wrote, everything that Peter wrote, and, and, and everybody that's in the Bible, in the New Testament, we can take all those things and we can generalize it down to three things, okay? Um, and actually, these three things is what Jesus told his disciples in, at the very last moments, in, in the couple of last moments that he had with them, all right? And the first one we're going to find, and get out your Bibles really quick. I forgot to say that earlier. Get out your Bibles, get out your Bibles, whatever you got, okay? Because uh, since we, since these are kind of longer segments, I, asked, I took it easy on TJ, and I was like, hey, listen, I just want you to put some accents up there. Uh, but what I want you guys to follow me along with is in John 15. John 15. And this is at... The Lord's Supper, okay? Appropriate since we're around Easter, all right? And we're going to look at John 15, 1 through 8, really quick. Jesus says, 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will, it will be even more fruitful. We are already clean. Oh, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. My, uh, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and I will be, and it will be given you. And this is our accent verse, right? This is the one that we find our point on. It says, this is, our, is my, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the first expectation that Christ has for us is to bear fruit. You're probably wondering to yourself, how do you bear fruit? Hold on, we're not there yet, okay? The second expectation that Christ has for us is found in the next set of verses, right? In John 15, 9 through 17. And he says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, okay, what are his commands? We're going to find out here in a second. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Verse 12, this is our action. This is where we get our point. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. almost ran out of room. Love each other. He goes on, he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command, which is love each other. There you go. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in, in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Amongst love each other, we can put a lot of things. We can put uh, uh, protect, protect the weak. We can put provide for orphans and widows. We can put a lot of things. We can put, we can put uh, love, the unlovable. We can put these things down right under there. Right? Okay, so the third point that he tells us, the third expectation is found in Matthew 28. 16 through 20. And this one I do have for you, I believe. 
It says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So the third expectation is go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. All right, so we have these three things. These three things, right, depend on each other, right? Uh, If we are to bear fruit, then we need to love each other. If we are to love each other, that means that we are supposed to be teaching them and training them and who Jesus was and what Jesus had for us and how to live. And as we do that, as we make disciples, They are going out and they are teaching these people and they are making disciples because it becomes like a a pyramid scheme, right? Because if you started with one person and that person, if you started with one person and you told that person to get three disciples and that three disciples then got three more, then we would have a church in two years, in three years. If a mega church grew by 300,000 every year, right? They, the consistent 300,000, right? And we just had three people and those three people got three people and those three people got three people and those three people got three people. We would surpass the mega church in five years because it's people making disciples. It's not a church putting on a show. It's not a church being responsible for the people that is brought in, but it's the people bringing in people people discipling people. And so you got people teaching people, right? Because they what? Love them. And then that produces fruit. So we have this whole circle going around, loving people, loving each other. And and the Bible says that, in fact, in that verse, it said, if you love each other, then what? You love me. And it's not just talking about Christians right there. It's talking about everybody. Loving people. Caring for people, protecting people. I have this little notebook up here because I have, uh, this week I read all of Mark because Mark was written to the church to encourage the church about Jesus. And I read that and I pointed out things that were expectations of the church that Jesus did. And there is one chapter, I think it's in uh, Mark 3 or Mark 4. Oh, it's Mark 2, right up there in the front. Mark 2 is all about Jesus hanging out with sinners and defending them from Pharisees. Every single time. That whole chapter talks about him hanging out with sinners and them coming up and saying, hey, why are you hanging out with these people? And he says, don't worry about it, sucker. If if you have been doing your job, then I wouldn't have to be here. Then he goes on, he has his disciples, and his disciples are hungry, so they pick some grain, and it's on the Sabbath, right? It's on Sunday. And people got a problem with that because they're hungry and they need to eat right? And Jesus says, hey, they're hungry and they need to eat and they can do whatever they want because the Sabbath was made for men, not men for the Sabbath. Okay, so he's constantly loving. He's constantly making disciples. He's constantly 
bearing fruit. And Jesus, the, the fourth expectation that he has on us is that we do all this in unity. That's why we meet on Sundays. It's not because we think that you can only be saved on Sundays. It's not that we think that we are awesome at talking, right? It's not that at all. It's that he's called us to be unified in what we do. And here in America, we have a lot of disunity in the church. And it's just, it goes back to theology. Some people will disagree with some theology. But the, the truth of the matter is, they're loving each other. They're making disciples. They're bearing fruit. And they're teaching the truth about Christ. Then we are one with them. And we are all part of the body. And so a part of the body, right, in this church, we are one body. We are one family. And one body part can't just leave the rest of it. Then that makes the church disformed. It makes the church dysfunctional because a piece left. Right? And so we are called to be in unity within the church. We are called to be the manifestation of the expectation of the church, but whose expectations are we manifesting in our life? Are we manifesting our own expectations of what we think we are supposed to do? Are we manifesting the world's expectation that reinforces their expectations? Or are we living out Christ's expectations in our lives? Which is less than, right, bear fruit, love each other, and go make disciples, is less than all of this, but yet it surpasses all of this. Surpasses. If everybody could stand really quick. I'm going to read a a passage of the Bible, and uh, then we're going to, then I'm going to close. But this passage of the Bible, it's it's right before Jesus is ending the Last Supper. And he has his disciples there, and they're about to go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're about to he's about to be betrayed, he's about to be killed. And to close the Last Supper, he says a prayer to God. And the first section is that he asks, I'm gonna stand up here so that everybody can see me. The, the first section is that he thanks God for giving him his name and giving him his power here on earth. Then the next section is he thanks God for the disciples that he has around him. And he prays that, that God will protect them in the hard times that are coming. But then he prays this third section. And I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but... If you could take anything out of this Bible and say that this is, this is directly uh, worded for us, it directly applies to us, because we can take the things in the Bible and say, oh, this applies to me, but there is a specific spot in the Bible that Jesus talks about you. Jesus talks about you, not just Paul, not just a, a theory. Jesus talks about you, and it says it right here in John 17, 20 
through 26, he says this. He just prayed for the disciples and he says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Right? What? That, that we are to do all this for people to believe in who Christ is? Because right now, the world does not believe in who Christ is. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those who have given, that you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Christ's expectations for us are huge. He just wants us to love, to teach, to bear fruit for him. Father God, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. I thank you for what you are doing constantly, God. Jesus, I thank you for coming down and giving your life for us so that we may have new life in you, God, and that we can tell other people about you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in us, that you would give us the words to speak when, when we need it, God that you would encourage us, that you would build us up, that you would carry us, God, whenever we are weak. And when we come together, when we gather together, that we build each other up, that we say, my man, and instantly it encourages us. Instantly we can do it again every single day that we would come together, be encouraged, and be renewed to do your expectations, Lord. I thank you so much, and I pray that we have that strength. I pray that we have that understanding and that will. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to The Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.